When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast Live. It's the game plan along with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. I'm Chris Plank. T Row, we just finished watching Lincoln Riley's press conference. Alex Grinch had a lengthy meeting with the media. Now, if you missed any of that, for those who download the podcast at either Soonersports.com slash podcast or subscribe through Apple or iHeartRadio, that's coming up as soon as we're done here. But we'll spend the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes or so kind of recapping what we learned. But, of course, Toby, we start our recap with Saturday night in Lubbock, Halloween. The Sooners stay really good playing in Hall- on Halloween, and they stay really good playing in Lubbock. Complete performance on Saturday night, wasn't it? It was fantastic. Happy Election Day, Chris. Happy Election Day. Look, we got red, white, and blue on between the two of us. I didn't plan that, but fantastic. Um, Yeah, it was great. In every facet, a dominant performance Saturday night. I think they were buoyed by the return of Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins. I loved hearing Lincoln Riley after the game talk about how the team exploded when he broke the news to them on uh, Friday night. I guess it would have been that they were going to be able to play Offensively, Rattler was fantastic. Theo Weiss had a good game. Stevenson was, um, well, I mean, no, showed no signs of rust. Three touchdowns. I'm not sure the first guy tackled him all night long. <laughs> Defensively, constant pressure on the Texas Tech quarterback. They turned him over three times. A couple of picks for Trey Norwood. Isaiah Thomas had a uh, big night. And uh, Gabe Burkich was uh, nails as well in uh, special teams. So I don't know that you can ask for much more. It was a thorough beat down from the first quarter on. And for the second straight week, a drama-free fourth, which was fantastic to see. 
How about, I, I, I'm, if we're watching the highlights for those on Facebook Live, would love to hear from you. Questions you have, thoughts you might have from the game. Hit us up, we'll answer. On a couple of these handoffs, Perrion Winfrey almost takes the handoff. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's fascinating the push this defensive line is getting. You know, I know uh, Jessica Cootie is working on a feature on Isaiah Thomas, who has had an incredible season. And it's a, it was a big storyline to talk about, I think, heading into last week's TCU game. But, Toby, it didn't slow down, and that is the defensive line getting pressure. It makes everything easier for the rest. Look, my man Brian Asamoah making a play. It makes everything easier for the rest of the defense when your defensive line is getting penetration like this Sooner defensive line is. Yeah, and the addition of Ronnie Perkins oh. back, there he is flinging uh, Columbia to the ground. You put Perkins back in there alongside Isaiah Thomas and Perrion Winfrey and Nick Benito, and that's trouble. I mean, it's trouble. Yeah. They're going to be able to get pressure with three or four guys all year. And, and the rotation in there gives them depth to where they've got backups like Jordan Kelly and LaRon Stokes when he gets back and, and uh, Marcus Stripling and on and on that can make plays. And when you can get constant pressure with three and four, it makes everything so much easier on the defensive side of the ball. We saw it. It resulted in two first quarter picks that put the offense in great position it resulted in Texas Tech putting the ball on the ground six times Saturday night now they only lost one of those fumbles but that defensive line is special I think it's the best that Oklahoma's had in uh, oh, about a decade no or question so. look no what question. they're doing in the first quarter too yeah they, they've led every single game so far this season every single game they've jumped out to a lead and maybe none more dominating than Saturday night all right let's take a look at some of the final stats I mean, obviously, they jump right off the page at you. A lot of those 400 yards for Tech came late. Uh, five, almost 600 yards of total offense, T-Row. And, you know, there, there's two things that jump out to me. One that's not on here that I want to talk about in a second, that's penalties. But they had almost, no, yeah, just under 13-minute advantage in time of possession. That's, that's almost a whole quarter they had the football more than Texas Tech on Saturday night. That's amazing. Yeah, that's been a strength all year for this team, and I don't know exactly what to pin that to. They've won the time of possession in every game this year. They're number three in the country in time of possession, and you would think dominant running game with that. You know, they're, they're possessing the ball for long periods of time, and they haven't necessarily had a dominant running game so far this year. Now, it was really good on Saturday night, but it's yeah. been a work in progress all year, so... They've done a great job. The byproduct of that is your defense isn't on the field a lot, and they're getting a lot of rest when your offense is, so they're able to go 100 miles an hour like we saw Perkins and Winfrey and Thomas and Benito doing on Saturday. So, But penalty was a big story in this game, or the lack thereof for OU. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I have here my uh, white or yellow, yellow notepad of notes, right? And this is kind of what I keep uh, on Monday press conference. And I heard Lincoln Riley ask about penalties. So I did a little digging. Through the first four games of the season, the Sooners had committed 39 penalties for 364 yards. Quick math, and I did this before because if I tried to do this live, we'd be in big trouble, Toby. Nine penalties per game for 91 yards. In the last two games, nine penalties total for 80 yards they're averaging in the last two, four penalties for 40 yards. And Lincoln Riley said, hey, we're just cutting down on dumb penalties, was yeah. what he said during his press conference. They're playing smarter. And that's, that's a key to a successful season. Here's the other storyline with penalties. 
and, and that's fantastic. We're seeing them go down for Oklahoma. But Texas Tech had, I think, 11 on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. OU's opponents are the most penalized team in the Big 12 this year by a long ways. Wow. If you go back and look at every opponent OU's had this year, almost every one of them has been in double-digit penalties or at nine right there at it. And I talked to Teddy about this um, on one of our pregame shows or at some point, and he says it's just a testament to the athleticism that Oklahoma brings to the field. It's, it doesn't look like what you practice against, and then you're forced to hold or you're forced to do things to try to get even. So they've done a great job at cutting down their own penalties while continuing to make it very difficult on opponents. I think uh, Tech had seven in the first quarter the other night, so not good. And I had this note on Saturday night's broadcast. That had been a problem that Texas Tech head coach Matt Wells had started to solve. You know, they, they had committed the fewest number of penalties for the least amount of yards through their first handful of games this season, and they were just making mistakes all over the place, including that sideline penalty that really hurt them early. What was that, third and 40 that they were in? Second possession of the game, Matt <laughs> Wells got a 15-yard penalty. Third that was bizarre. 40. Oh, man, they don't teach that at Sky, Chuck Matty. All right, so with that in mind, since we're talking head coaches, Lincoln Riley just continues to, to wow us with how he's been able to – I mean, replace a legend. Toby, they always have that saying, you never want to be the guy that replaces a legend. But, man, Lincoln has done an incredible job of carving his own niche. And, I mean, to, to see how well this football team has played and how quickly now he is to 40 wins. Look at that. Uh, 48 games to get to 40 wins. Took him four seasons. Right up there with Coach Switzer and, of course, the great Bob Stoops. Incredible what he's been able to do. Yeah, there's four guys on that list, by the way, that have statues. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty good, Switz. I mean, it feels like Lincoln has gotten their lickety split. He has. He's 40 and 8. That's amazing. And it's still Switzer and Wilkinson got there faster, which uh, <laughs> boggles my mind. And uh, it's pretty good. I mean, he's, he's, he, there's a reason why he's the hottest young coach in America, and he just continues to prove it. And Riley and Grinch and that coaching staff is doing it again this year. This team's getting better and better every week. All right, a lot of good stuff on Facebook real quick. A couple of questions that I did want to answer here quickly. John Wharton asks, why is Trajan Bridges, Trajan Bridges, excuse me, not off the suspension list? And Lincoln Riley said this, the process with Trajan is not as clear cut as it was for Ronnie Perkins and for Ramondre Stevenson. So they're still working through that. Though he did have good news, Toby, on a guy in LaRon Stokes right. who made the trip but didn't play on Saturday night. What, what do you list him as? Questionable for Saturday against Kansas, I believe it was? Right. Yeah, that's so, what he said, questionable. And you talked to, uh, I, I think it was Cale Gundy last week on Coach's uh-huh. Corner who said Jaden Hazelwood he thought was maybe just a week or two away. So maybe there's good news around the corner with Hazelwood coming as well. But we don't, we don't have any information on Trajan Bridges. Yeah, and it's, again... They found out Friday night that Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson are playing. So maybe this is something that we find out later rather than sooner. Can it, is that proper way to put it? It's not sooner rather than later, but we should know uh, here. And then Tony brings up a good point. He writes, I think that Ronnie Perkins brings something that other linemen feed off of, brings a presence. I believe that Trey Norwood and some of the other young defensive backs bring their, uh, that presence yeah. as well to the second. He's an year. alpha. Yeah. No, I mean, you saw it on the sidelines at Iowa State. You see it down there all the time, Chris. You can attest to this better than anyone. Ronnie Perkins is an alpha. Oh, absolutely. And, and he, when he's their best player, and he is on defense, 
and you're a leader like he is, it can't help but help everybody across the board. But you see it down there up close and personal, right? His energy is so. I think they've got three or four really high energy guys on this team defensively. Uh, on the sidelines, maybe is the best way to put it. They're all high energy when they get on the field. But Brian Osimo, high energy guy on the sidelines. Perion Winfrey, high energy guy on the sidelines. Pat Fields is a high energy guy on the sidelines. Ronnie Perkins is maybe a level above them <laughs> when it comes to high energy on the sidelines. And in, you know what? I remember having this conversation during his true freshman season. In I think Kenneth Murray was trying to fire up the defense. And Ronnie Perkins, as a true freshman in that setting, stood up and just took control, Toby. So this isn't just something that's been created this year by Ronnie Perkins. This is something that he's been since he stepped on campus from the St. Louis area. And, uh, you know, Gabe talks about it a lot. He thinks he's the best player on the defense. But, you know, it all circles back to what? Depth on that defensive line. So you add another guy in that rotation, right? You add someone to help maybe give Nick Benito a break. Maybe give John Michael Terry a break. Um, or, or maybe to turn, you know, they give him a break whenever he's out there. You've got the rotation going with Ellison and Winfrey and now when Stokes gets back healthy and what you've seen from Isaiah Thomas on the defensive line. You know, we came into this year wondering, all right, who replaces Neville Gallimore and Dylan Famatau and who's going to replace Q Overton? And it's been, dare I say, one of the surprise strengths of this team so far this season, knowing that they were going to play games without Ronnie Perkins. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think he is the most disruptive defensive player in the Big 12. Yeah. Um, I think he's the best player on this football team, potentially, um, especially on defense, but maybe overall. And eventually, whenever he leaves Oklahoma and goes to the NFL draft, he is going to uh, get drafted very high. His measurables are going to be off the charts. One of the most impressive plays Saturday night will be one you won't see very much because it was actually a big play for Texas Tech. It was First on quarter. the opening drive of the game. Yes. So Roderick Thompson gets loose around the left side. He's running near side down the boundary. And Ronnie Perkins caught him from behind 30 yards downfield. And so Roderick Thompson's their starting running back. He's <laughs> really fast. Pushed him out of bounds about the five-yard line. Now, they ended up scoring. But it just shows you the athleticism at his size is off the charts for Ronnie Perkins. What about Ramondre Stevenson, Toby? Um, Oh, they made a liar oh, out of me. By the way, I hey, said you wouldn't play. see it. There it is. There it is. Thank you, Craig Moran. Nice. I mean, that's Sir Roderick Thompson is not somebody that a defensive lineman should be chasing down from behind. Good get, Craig. Watch this. Ronnie, you don't even see him in the picture until now. Then look. I mean, how? How? That's unbelievable. He's a phenomenal athlete. Unbelievable. Yes. Well done. Who, who else do we give credit to on that one, Craig? The Oh, Bronco. Stephen Thorne, man. Way to go, man. Bronco. Way to go, Craig. Way to go. And, uh, I expect to see the Drew Locke celebration dance in finding that one for us, Stephen. Now, uh, Toby, Ramondre Stevenson, let's talk about the impact that uh, this man made. I mean, you just – there's grown – we talk a lot and use the term, man, he looks like a grown man out there. Ramondre Stevenson looked like a grown man running the football on Saturday night. We've missed him, and you talk about making an immediate impact – what, two of his first four carries were touchdowns? He's big, he's strong, he's powerful. Uh, he's got a low center of gravity when he runs that makes it really hard to get a good solid piece of him. He's going to be 
a great weapon in short yardage for these guys uh, that's been a bit of a struggle early in the season. He's capable of the big play as well, but look at this. I mean, down around the goal line, he just bounces off people. I mean, you can't get a piece of him because he doesn't give you anything to, to tackle, and he's got giant thighs and a bowling ball. So, tremendous weapon to add back in. I loved what Lincoln did with Seth McGowan as well. You see Seth McGowan in motion there from a wide receiver position. You thought when Stevenson came back, all right, you got Pledger who's playing well. He had back-to-back 100-yard games. You want to continue to get Seth McGowan action. He usually only plays a couple of running backs. How are they going to keep everybody happy? Well, his answer was they put Seth McGowan in the slot a lot and out at wideouts, and they creatively used him in jet sweeps or would fake it to him and get eyes going the wrong direction. There's a jet sweep to McGowan in one of the opening drives of the game. So a lot of creativity from Lincoln to, despite the return of Seth McGowan, still keep Seth, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, still keep Seth McGowan as a part of the game plan. I think you have to. He's too dangerous. McGowan I'm talking about. Oh, so yeah. Stevenson, fantastic. This offense goes to a different level with the type of running attack that he gives them. Now McGowan, you can move into a more creative role and the offense even takes a uh, more difficult approach for a defense. He's fun, man. I, I I tell Roy Manning this a lot, and you probably get tired, Toby, of me bringing up nuggets about what Roy Manning's saying to his corners on the sidelines. But I love watching Roy Manning coach. I have now Speaking added of high energy. Yeah, I have now added. I love watching Demarco Murray coach Seth McGowan. I really? mean, it, it it's fascinating because I think. DeMarco sees what, well, obviously we all see, is this kid is loaded with potential. I, I brought up the story on the broadcast that uh, during the game on Saturday night, I have a pad, not quite like this big, but DeMarco motions to give me a piece of paper. And he took that piece of paper and he started writing down something to Seth McGowan to show him what he needed him to do as far as the offensive line and where he needs to be running. So he coaches him hard, but Toby, he runs hard to Seth McGowan and he's starting to get that, you know, this isn't high school. You can't dance away from guys. Put that foot in the ground, go forward, and be a difference maker. And I loved watching how Lincoln Riley has started to implement him, as you said, on those jet sweeps, using him a little differently. Good I, assist th- by you, by the way. Yeah, that's right. I always have a piece of paper and pit. It's come in handy. I'd help out Justin Harrington at OU Texas, and I'd help out DeMarco Murray on Teddy Saturday Teddy called uh, Seth McGowan a hedgehog the other night, and I thought it was fantastic. He runs like Sonic the Hedgehog. He <laughs> runs 100 miles an hour until he runs into something and he bounces off and runs in a different direction. It's oh. great. Hey, how about Mikey Henderson too yeah. late in the game? Yeah. They handed him the ball a few times. He looked like a legit runner. Yeah, he looked great. He looked great. He reminded me of Trey Millard running the football, only maybe a little bit zvelter, you know, where he can kind of get through there quicker. Now, speaking of the running back room, we've got a couple of questions about Marcus Major. Let's hit these quick. Huh? Antonio writes, just wondering why Marcus Major didn't play Saturday night. Uh, I know Ramondre jumped him on the depth chart, but should have got some carries. I, that's a deep room, man. And I think, Toby, what does Lincoln Riley talk about? What is DeMarco Murray going to have? They're going to have competition. And that's what the, that's the foundation of this program, from the quarterback success to the receiver success. So there's going to be – I mean, Marcus Major was great against Texas, and there's going to be a time for him. So there's just battles going on. Uh, and when you get Ramondre Stevenson back, he's, he's going to carry the football. And Marcus Major still just a redshirt freshman, so he has plenty of time to continue to develop. I wouldn't be down about it by no, any stretch. Listen, we've learned this lesson. You can never be too deep at running back. Okay? <laughs> That's right. The second you start complaining about guys not being happy and not getting enough carries, the next week you're down to one guy 
or you're down to Dimitri Flowers carrying the football. Against Iowa you State. You can never have too many running backs. And if Marcus Major, or whoever it was, doesn't get a carry, consider it a luxury. And I know it stinks for him. Take it from a former fourth-string point guard in college. It stinks when you can't get, up, get on the floor or on the, on the field. But it is a fantastic position OU is in that they have a guy the caliber of Marcus Major who they can't get on the field right now because they're that deep. Now, uh, really good point here, too, before we jump, talking a little bit about your favorite thing, Toby, Big 12 tiebreakers. Uh, Gerald Wilson writes, Mikey Henderson looks like Josh Norman. And it's funny that you bring that Number up. Number three. Because what point did Teddy Lehman yeah. mention on the broadcast Saturday night? We've been doing these 2,000 football flashback shows, looking back and watching the games, and how many times did we see that little jet sweep where Josh Heupel's handing it to right. Josh Norman who goes right around the end? That's what Mike Anderson looked like on same Saturday. Same play, night. same number, couldn't agree more. Body type, very similar. Um, great comparison. But are we good on time? All right, we, we got a little bit more time here. Toby, it's already started, and understandably so, because – with the Sooners playing as well as they are, you start envisioning what that path to a sure. return trip to the Big 12 championship is going to look like. Obviously, we still need a little bit of help. Oklahoma still needs a little bit of help. Uh, and the, re the, remaining, the remaining schedule is interesting, but let's just take a look at the standings here real quick. Oklahoma sitting right now at 4-2. They're right there with Texas and West Virginia. They have the tiebreaker over Texas, and they've got West Virginia coming up a little bit later on in the season. But or, I, I'm sorry, I look at the overall three and two on all those teams. But then you have Oklahoma State at three and one, and then Kansas State and Iowa State at four and one in front of them. So unfortunately, Iowa State and Kansas State have the head-to-head -head against Oklahoma. But there's still a path, is there not, for Oklahoma to get to the no. Big 12 title game? Made much easier by the goings-on of Saturday when Kansas State lost to West Virginia and Oklahoma State lost to Texas. You're looking now at the remaining schedules and those numbers out next to them. The current. Big 12 records of those teams. Uh, Iowa State has three of the final four games at home. They've got to go to Texas, which will be tough. But Kansas State and Iowa State will play each other. Kansas State has uh, a really tough closing kick. They've got Oklahoma State this week. They've still got to go to Ames. They still play Texas. Cowboys have five games left because that Baylor game got pushed back. And four of the five remaining for Oklahoma State are on the road. And we probably should, going forward anyway, add Texas to this list because one of the ramifications, one of the biggest ramifications of what happened Saturday is an OU-Texas Big 12 championship game is back on the table. Possibility of it anyway. So if OU wins out and to get to the game, they're going to have to win out. They don't quite control their own destiny, but almost because Iowa State and K-State still have to play each other. One of them will absorb a second loss there. Oklahoma State and Kansas State still have to play each other. Somebody's losing that game. So you probably need one more maybe K-State loss along the way if it hasn't been them yet already because of those two games for Oklahoma to get in if they win out. Now, there are three-way tie, four-way tie <laughs> scenarios that could come into play if there are a bunch of teams that have two losses. But Oklahoma would be pretty good in those scenarios as yeah. well because one of their losses would have been to K-State, who probably would be out of it. I mean, we'll see. It depends on what teams are tied at the end of this thing. It could be murky at the end. But if Oklahoma wins out, they got a really good shot. Listen, I said last week, how many times are we in the middle of November and you're looking at the college football playoff scenarios and you're saying, boy, a lot of crazy things could still happen, right? 
and you're talking about Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson in those scenarios. We are just now starting November. We've got all of November and half of December still to go. And you really need one thing to happen, really, if Oklahoma wins out to get in. And you're talking about Iowa State, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State. So I think if OU wins the rest of their games, there's about an 80% chance that they're in Arlington, in my opinion. If they continue to play like they did last week in Fort Worth and this past weekend, two weeks ago in Fort Worth, this past weekend in Lubbock, Toby, our conversation might continue to evolve in conversations that they should be in. By the way, thanks to Chris Cook for that question on the Big 12. I will say, uh, something fuels our local radio shows unlike it ever has before, and that is which team are we rooting for? So that has taken over the conversations right now because who are we rooting for at Oklahoma State and Kansas State? Who are we rooting for when Iowa State and yeah. Kansas State play each other? Uh, it's a fun conversation. All right, a couple of quick things before we get out. Uh, as we've been doing all of our shows today, maybe you haven't heard, the game has shifted from ESPN2 to ESPN on Saturday night. We know you all listen to the radio broadcast, but if you need the pretty pictures to go along with it, that's the best way to do so. And then, Toby, I wanted to wrap up just because you are – so ingrained and entrenched in the Oklahoma basketball program. And I'm, I'm a fan that gets to watch and enjoy most of it. Uh, we lost a legend. You and Chad paid a great tribute to him. But for those on the podcast, I just wanted to make sure that the Billy Tubbs family, um, his legacy obviously is something that will live on forever, but he's in our thoughts after we lost Coach this past week. Absolute icon. Uh, he is the reason I fell in love with Sooner basketball when those great Teams of the 80s were on the court. I was a young teenager who was absolutely enamored with Wayman Tisdale, Stacy King, Mookie Blaylock, and first and foremost, Billy Tubbs. And he, at a football school, made Oklahoma basketball must-see TV. Like I said with Chad, he got it. He knew that sports was entertainment, and he was a big-time entertainer. And if you loved him or hated him, he didn't give a rip. He just wanted to go out and beat you by as many points as possible. And I, uh, I'm sorry we lost him. I'm so thankful that in the last 10 years, had the opportunity to work alongside Coach Tubbs on several broadcasts and dozens of other times in the arena, share moments when we would laugh about stories from yesteryear and he'd give me broadcasting advice and I'd give him a hard time. Pat was always right there and what a great, great man and an icon of a coach that changed the face of that sport at this university forever. Reunion special coming up Thursday night. We will also be putting most of this on the podcast platform too. So if you subscribe next week, the next edition of the Legacy Series will drop as Toby and I will remember Billy Tubbs. We'll hear from uh, Lon Kruger, Kelvin Sampson, and many others. And uh, here's the rest of our TV schedule for this week. We've got The Huddle and Sooner Sports Talk with Lincoln Riley. You guys back at Rudy's? Rudy's. Yeah, we're at Rudy's tonight live on Fox Sports Oklahoma. Should be fun. Come on out if you're in town in Norman and uh, see us have some barbecue and, and watch the show live. Uh, We've got on Coach's Corner this week. Alex Grinch, Ooh. defensive coordinator, and my fave, Bill Beatenbow, the offensive line coach. Wow. Plus volleyball. I know you and I are big volleyball fans, so that'll be coming up 
this weekend as well. Soonersports.com slash podcast. If you haven't subscribed and you just found us on Facebook, please do so. We drop content just about every single day. And if you're listening on the podcast side, you're getting Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, our Alex Grinch now. Welcome, everybody. Um, excited to, to certainly be back home. Um, been a while. I, I don't know that team's ever gone six straight weeks without uh, our six weeks in between home games in a regular season. So certainly been uh, uh, a fun stretch, though. Guys have, guys have played well, gotten a lot better throughout all these last, last several road games. Uh, certainly really, really excited to get back, you know, to play in front of our home fans. Hopefully they're excited to come, come watch this team play. Their guys are getting better quickly, and, um, you know, we've, we've had a good start to the week here and, and just excited about continuing our climb. So it's been a, been a fun stretch and, uh, you know, excited to, you know, get to play some November ball here, which, which tends to be our favorite around here. So hopefully we can um, keep up the momentum, keep improving as a football team. Uh, we'll be excited to play Kansas uh, coming in here at 2.30 Saturday. Uh, just can't wait to get there. So I'm not going to go any longer. We'll let you guys jump into questions. All right, we'll begin questioning with Joe Bettner of the Norman Transcript and go to Ryan Aber. Hey, Lincoln, uh, try to ask you this on Saturday, but uh, I know with the experience that Perkins and Stevenson have, uh, just it, I, I know they've got that, but can you speak to the difficulty of those two dropping in the middle of the season and having, I guess, as big an impact as they had on, on Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, I... You know, they're, they're both guys that have some experience and, you know, we've still been able to get them work, albeit most of it's been on scout teams uh, up until this point. And uh, so they, they've been continuing to get work, continuing to train. Um, not exactly like playing on a Saturday, but, but yeah, I mean, I think we had good plans for them both, had, had limited roles in for, for both of them, didn't try to do too much, especially with finding out, you know, as late as we did and not having quite quite as much notice. And uh, so I thought the plan was good, and I thought both those guys did a pretty good job. I mean, they they both made some big plays. They certainly both made some mistakes too, which was to be expected. But, um, you know, they're guys that have, have, have played before, and you could you could certainly see that. Ryan Aber, the Oklahoman, and then Eric Bailey. Yeah, Lincoln, it seems like since uh, being uh, pulled there in the second quarter of the Texas game, Spencer's decision-making, especially as it relates to avoiding turnovers, has been so much better. Is that what you've seen? And uh, just uh, how much of a difference have you seen in his protecting the ball and not putting throws where the other team can get to him? Yeah, he's he's definitely improved. Um, I think he's starting to learn more the the difference between you know being aggressive, um, but also kind of doing it in a calculated way, learning to to manage games a little bit better. You know when we can afford to take risks, uh, when we cannot. Um, you know, I think he's he's certainly put more of a premium on that. I think seeing that we can make some explosive plays and. You know, we don't have to hit the home run every single time. And uh, so he, he's getting better, I, I think, maturity. And I think some of it is, you know, when, when you when you come back and play well in a game like he did that one at the end, um, certainly adds to the confidence and belief in what you're doing. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's growing. He's getting better. Uh, you know, for him, though, I mean, it's each week is still its own week. I mean, every week's new. Um, 
defenses are new, opponents new, matchups are new, uh, game plan. You know, there's always going to be some evolving things there. So uh, it's getting better, but you just don't you don't ever get there. You know, it's not like a destination. You just you you, you learn from the the experiences you have. You try to apply them as much as you can to the new experiences that come up, and the more you can do that successfully, the better you'll get. Appreciate it, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Eric Bailey, Tulsa World, and then Jason Kersey. Hey, Lincoln, your your defense ranked 17th in third down uh, stops last season, and you're in the top 10 this year. What's been the biggest key to your team's success in that category under Coach Grinch? We've played pretty good team defense there. I, I think he's – you know, Coach Grinch has done a good job of, I think, schematically, you know, get into things that, that we can be very good at. You know, third downs can be one of those areas where you see teams do one of two things. Some Most teams have a, you know, pretty elaborate package. Um, and then some teams, you know, kind of stay, you know, more towards home base. And, and we're somewhere in between. And we found a, you know, we found a good little niche there that we, you know, that we were comfortable with. And then I think our guys have played, you know, great team defense in those situations. You know, certainly those third downs always start with how you play up front, whether it's, you know, long yardage and being able to create pressure uh, or short yardage and being able to get penetration and make the run game difficult. You know, we've been able to do that. And, and then we've, we've matched that well in the back end. So uh, no, it's certainly been a, strength of the team last year and and you know here just past the midway point it's uh, so far been a strength of this team as well thanks lincoln mm-hmm. jason kersey the athletic and then bob frisbillo lincoln the uh the penalty numbers for you guys were substantially down compared to the rest of the season what what caused you guys to get so much better so quickly in, in that area i think our guys are we're just playing smarter i think we're growing um we really try to emphasize how much winning football do we put on tape? And we really try to do a good job of illustrating to our guys and the difference, you know, that 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 the difference that that makes in games. I mean, it's a, ever it's easy for everybody to say, well, you have a bunch of penalties, you know, blah blah blah. It's not good, but the same token, if you're if you're not aggressive, you're not going to beat anybody anyway. So I, it's it's much more difficult to find that fine line for a player than maybe what the casual fan would would think. And uh, I think our guys have gotten a better feel for it. I think we're understanding more and more how things are called, uh, understanding when we, you know, still being very physical and aggressive, but understanding the things that we absolutely can't have, and we've just avoided them. We have not had, you know, we've had a few aggressive penalties here and there in the last few weeks. The thing I would say is we have really done a nice job of cutting down on the dumb penalties um, and um, – uh, the ones that just just really kill you, the mental mistakes, and so um, credit to our guys. I think it's just some of our evolution as a team right now. Let's go to Bob Prisbillo, Sooner Scoop, and then John Hoover. Yeah, Lincoln. When it comes to the suspended players, how tough was it to not let that become a big team dis- uh, dis- uh, distraction? Like uh, you could see the fans were asking about it every single week. You said Friday night, your team erupted when they when they found out. How, how tough was that to try to balance it throughout the first half of the season? Oh, you know, it was probably tougher for those individuals, you know, than it was the rest of the team. I mean, not that the team didn't feel for them. They certainly did. But, I mean, you you got to move on. Um, and, and those created, you know, opportunities for other people. And, you know, nobody's going to, you know, we're not. I think we de- 
determined ourselves we weren't going to use it as a crutch. It was what it was. And so I, I don't know that it was a super hot topic around here. I mean, we just kind of went with the mindset that, you know, whenever we have them, that's great. But if we don't, you know, it's no different than a player getting injured or anything else happened. You just have to deal with it. So probably a lot tougher on those individuals in the end. John Hoover with SI Sooners and then Caleb McCurry. Hey, Lincoln, on that topic uh, with Ramondre and Ronnie back last week, I'm wondering if you can elaborate on Trajan Bridges' situation, what's different about it, what you've heard back on him, and if you expect him to play at all this year also, um, can you provide any update on LaRon Stokes' availability? Yeah, Trajan, you know, kind of like we've said a bunch, that this process is not quite as clear-cut or as, as easy as maybe it could or should be. Um, I would say Trajan's uh, still in that process right now, so we'll see how that unfolds. Uh, Leron uh, wasn't available, obviously, last week. Um, got a little banged up the week before. Um, uh, available this Potentially available this week. I would list him as questionable right now. We'll see how he proceeds. Caleb mm-hmm. McCurry, OU Daily, and then James Hale. And with today being election day, how how much has this team really looked forward to this day? Not because, of course, it's a day off, but because for months they've been really vocal about voting rights. Uh, very much so. Um, you know, a lot of our guys have already been able to vote even before today, which has been great. And we've got, I think, the majority of of, of, uh, um, of the remaining guys are, are are getting it done today as well. And um, our guys have. It's uh, it's it's an important day uh, because. You know, our guys have wanted, they want to be heard and uh, they've wanted to make a difference. And so it, it certainly is important. And I think for our guys, I mean, regardless of the results of this thing, just the fact that we've been, you know, as, as active as we've been, our guys have done it with such class. Our guys have, I think, helped educate other people. I know, you know, the majority of our guys, um, you know, if you were to take a poll of how many, players on our football team voted in the last presidential election versus this one it's probably going to look a lot different so it shows guys have gotten educated and really you know this matters really meant something to them and i've been proud of the way they've handled it and and uh, excited excited for them to, to all have that opportunity today thanks lincoln mm-hmm. all right we'll go to james hale with kref and then brandon drum you know lincoln it looks like uh that your team is really together. Uh, it looks like they really enjoy playing. Uh, I say that because they've gone through so much with COVID and everything just to get on the field. And here you have these, you know, three guys that, you know, violated rules or whatever happened to them and they weren't allowed to play. And yet, you know, as soon as they came back, even though it might take some playing time away from a player or two, they were ecstatic. As you pointed out, they almost tore the place apart celebrating. Could you talk about how together this team is and, how close knit this team is, uh, because it looks like they're really close. I I, I sense that, uh, you know, it hasn't been the, you know, the smoothest road to get there. Uh, just in that, with the adversity uh, that you mentioned, and then just other adversities that you just internally go through as a team. That's, you know. We've had our rough patches too, but the thing I would say about this team is anytime a, a rough patch has happened, whether it's, you know, you know, 
any internal conflict, whether it's not winning a football game, whether it's COVID, whether it's social unrest, I mean, whatever it's been, we've had, there's been plenty. Um, this team has let it bring them together as opposed to divide it. And I think that's probably been the key for us as we've taken the, whatever verse has been thrown at us and we've, we've, it really has bonded us even more and more. And so um, I, I, I do believe they, enjoy playing the game together. They, they've been great in practice all year. They really have, um, especially considering all that's going on. So I, I do think it's a, a team that wishes we had, you know, a lot more than a 10-game season. Thanks, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. We'll go to Brandon Drum with OU Insider and then Keegan Rennell. Hey, Lincoln, you said against Iowa State after the loss that you guys were close after – you know, you just won 62-28. How are you there yet to where you thought? I know you guys are never satisfied, but are you where you guys want to be right now? Or is there still so much more that you guys think that you guys can be? No, there's definitely a lot more. I mean, that's the, you know, the world of overreactions, which we get it. That's where we live in. But, you know, you lose a game to Iowa State and everybody thinks you're the sorriest team that's ever played. And, you know, and then you, you know, go win big and, this last week, and now all of a sudden, you know, we'll be the 85 Bears. So, I mean, it's, you know, the Iowa State game wasn't nearly as bad as what, you know, what a lot of people would think, and this one wasn't nearly as good as what a lot of people would think. Are we getting better? Yes, we are. You know, we still go back on that film, and we can, yes, we can throw up a bunch of great things. Um, certainly improvement as the year's been on, no doubt about it. I don't want to sound, you know, too pessimistic, but at the same time, there's still – a ton of mistakes on that film and a lot of things that as we go forward that we're going to have to get better, that we can get better at. And uh, that's how you play your best ball here at the end of the season. And, uh, you know, so that's this team's goal to continue to eliminate the mistakes and play as much winning football as we possibly can. Thanks, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. We'll go to Keegan Renault with Sooners Wire and then Barry Trammell. Lincoln, we kind of asked you this question a year ago, but now with how disruptive this defense has been the, really the last two weeks, is this with under Alex Grinch, is this what you could have imagined this defense could become just with the disruptiveness and how much that's helping the secondary and, you know, the rushing lanes for the linebackers to fill and all that? Um, I mean, it's the style we want to play. I mean, there, there's no question about that. Now, you know, what we can become, I mean, I still think that's way out there. Uh you know, from from the way we've played up to this point. Um, but I, it is absolutely the style we want to play. I mean, we want a front that that is aggressive, that is that does cause a lot of havoc, um, where you've got a lot of different people, you know, creating penetration, making things difficult on the offense, and then, you know, which then creates opportunities for an aggressive back end. And that's how, we've, that's how we want to play. That's, uh, you know, I think we're – I do think we're getting better and better at that. Uh, I think we're getting more and more guys that are able to help and able to understand not just the schemes, but you know, and I've talked this about this a lot defensively. But the, you know, you can you could tell a guy to go to a C gap, and there's a difference between you know going to a C gap, putting your body in a C gap, and then just dominating and absolutely just blowing up a C gap. There's two different things, and that's the mentality I think that we're that's starting to take hold a little bit more, especially with the front. I see us more you know, dominating gaps as opposed to just getting there. Um, and so it, it's, it's, it's growing. I mean, it's heading in a great direction, no doubt. Um, and, and we would expect it to continue to get better. Thanks, Lincoln. Mm-hmm.
Gary Trammell, the Oklahoman, and then Gary Neiman. Yeah, Lincoln, you uh, you got a little bit more knowledge, I think, of the Kansas program than other teams you play since your brother spent three years there. Uh, it's a struggling place. From an outside perspective, what can Kansas do to get going? I mean, we're, we're going more than we're looking at more than a decade now of really struggling to get anything going. What does KU need to, to build up their program? Oh man, I'm not an expert on it. I mean, I yeah, I've certainly known some people that have been been in the middle of it, but there's there's a difference between just hearing about it and and living it. So I I don't want to I don't want to speculate too much. I mean, I know they've you know over the years have had some had some you know they've had some big wins and then they've had you know several um, you know even now just thinking back like to the Texas game last year, I can think of several where they've been just right on the doorstep of of maybe breaking through and it's hard uh it, it, it's hard to whatever point your program's at regardless of what it is to to break through that next step is never easy and uh and a lot of times it's you know one key moment one key game that can really spur you on and so uh you know i, I think you know I, i've seen them close um i know they got a darn good coaching staff i know they got a supportive uh group out there so i mean from an outside perspective, I would think, you know, certainly could happen any time. I think they've been on the right on the doorstep multiple different times in the past several years. Gary Nemig, Tulsa World, and then Kerry Murdoch. Lincoln, last week with the, with the beat guys, you addressed a, a personal sort of evolution about an issue related to your players. A lot of times when, when coaches change over, over the years, we, we think in terms of just football. Uh, schemes, philosophies, and whatnot, you, you brought to mind something that uh, has to do with uh, the team, but not so much on the field, but but off. How, how, do, how do those two sides of coaching evolution, if you know what I'm saying, relate? Is, is one just as important as the other for a coach to, to, to grow and, and, and get better and more comfortable in this program? Oh, I'd say the, the football side of it's probably the easier side. Um, you know, that's handling all these guys deal with outside of football and the world around them and, and uh, you know, environments, cultures. Um, it, it's, it, it's not easy uh, because you, you know, you've got core values and things that you believe in that, that I think you've always got to stick to and be important, but you better not be too rigid. in, in my opinion on, 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 in some areas uh, because, you know, the world is changing and these guys, you know, they don't just live up here. They've got a whole other part of their lives, and a lot of them coming from all kinds of different backgrounds. And so, yeah, I mean, we've tried to find that fine line here, you know, of, of again, those absolute beliefs that we have and not straying from them but not, not being too rigid that we that we can't adapt. And I guess in some ways it almost parallels kind of how we feel about, our, you know, schematically the football game. I mean, kind of the same way. You know, you got your core things you believe in, but – you better be really you, you better be willing to adapt and you know that was an example where you know I, I, I was a little too slow to adapt in my opinion um but you know world's changing and, and you gotta I, I, we can't just stick our head in the sand and pretend like we don't see it appreciate it mm -hmm. Kerry Murdoch Sooner Scoop and WWLS and then Myron Patton Hey, Lincoln, um, I, I'm curious. I know, I know everybody kind of develops on their own pace, but what 
have you seen from Theo Weiss this year uh, in just terms of his development and, and maybe even how much Spencer has, has kind of played in a role in uh, him kind of developing as a receiver, uh, really a bigger playmaker for you on the offense this year? Yeah, no, he's doing well. I, I thought he had some key moments last year, really gave him some confidence. He played well uh, against Baylor up there in the in the comeback game, played played pretty well in the, uh, in the bowl game. Um, you know, so had some nice plays for us. And then I think his confidence is, is, is growing. He's starting to, I think, really run a gr- routes more aggressively. Um, I think he's playing faster, a little bit more physical, um, you know, which has been good to see. And, you know, it's at, at that position, so much of it is about confidence because it, it becomes a game of one-on-one matchups. And when you're playing fast and aggressive and you're a talented, you know, guy like Theo is, that's going to be a tough combination to stop for anybody one-on-one. So... Uh, no, our, our confidence in him's developing. Certainly, Spencer's, our quarterbacks is as well. So it's been a it's been a nice evolution, and he's he's um, you know he, he's certainly getting a lot better, and I think gaining a lot of steam uh, along the way. Thanks, Lee. Mm-hmm. Myron Patton, Fox Twenty Five, and then Jenny Carlson. Yeah, Lincoln. Uh, how much of your offensive improvement has to do with your offensive line? I, I remember the Kansas State game. I don't, I don't know if they actually got to sack. Spencer a lot, but it seemed like the offensive, uh, the pocket was always kind of closing in on the second half of that game. And it looks like the last few games, he's kind of had the ability to kind of stand back there and just find a receiver. He's rolled out some, but how much is that the offensive line? How much of that is maybe just his own force? Yeah, the old line's done a good job. I think we've strung together several pretty good weeks in a row. I mean, I think it's, I, I think a lot of it is that. I think our, our older guys have, have, really started playing some quality ball, starting to play the way that we would expect them to play uh, as a unit. I think there's more cohesion within the unit. And then when we have played younger players, they've, they've been ready to go in there, play more mistake-free. Um, our younger guys are very talented. You know, physically they match up with, with just about anybody, uh, even though they're pretty young. Um, uh, but those guys have been able to come in, still take quality snaps and play more mistake-free. And so I think that's uh, – you know, I, I think the group has improved. I think there's no question they've played cleaner for us. Uh, we've needed them to. I mean, to be a to be a great offensive football team, you you better be pretty darn good up there. So we're we're heading in a great direction, and I think the the, the competition uh, that we have right now at a lot of those spots has, has been a big part of it because guys know, you know, whether you're got started a bunch or you know. God's really talented player, or whatever. That if you're not playing at a high level, somebody else is going to be in there, and uh, so that's, you know, that's a good spot to be in as far as a, a competition standpoint. Jenny Carlson with the Oklahoma. Hey Lincoln, I wanted to ask you about Ramondre. I know you guys signed him out of junior college, but were you were you aware of him uh, at Centennial in Vegas, or um, was that more of a late on the radar and if you were aware of him in high school is he similar now to what he was then he's such a, a big guy was he that way when you first saw him we we weren't Jenny we weren't aware of him in high school wasn't a guy that we recruited uh, he caught our eye well we we, we decided was, would have been now almost two years ago but we decided that at that point that we were in the market for potentially a JC running back and, and started looking around. And we especially like the thought of, of bringing in a, a little bit bigger body, you know, at that time. Um, 
not that we were small, but at that time we, we were starting to look for those guys. And he was he got recommended by uh, a couple of contacts that we have out on the West Coast that had seen him play in person and thought he was pretty impressive. And, and uh, we watched the film, loved the tape, got a chance to get around the kid. Um, and it, it came together quickly. I mean, I remember – we recruited. I mean, we offered him, recruited him for a little bit. He came in out here, liked it, and ended up, you know, ended up committing. And and uh, um, at several schools that he had several schools that didn't want him to to sign early because I think that was the year we had the first early signing date. And uh, there were several schools that didn't want him to sign early, wanted him to to wait and and come visit them in January and, and have a chance to sign him in February. But he was, you know, uh, lucky for us, he was pretty locked in with us at that point. Hey, Alex, uh, just Ronnie Perkins again on Saturday, just the impact he made. And just was it one of those things where he was just waiting for that opportunity to play? And did you sense that? And did you really feel that going into Saturday? Oh, he's been very anxious. And, I, I, you know, obviously the, the staff, uh, you know, the, the the players have all been anxious to to have him back out there with us. Um, so, the, I mean, that's that's the word I would use. I mean, I, I think it's something that, uh, um, you know, he's been – Kind of preparing his mind for, but uh, you know hasn't had the opportunity to uh, obviously uh, get out there with us on Saturday. There's been there's been you know reps given to him on 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 some practice uh, on some practice days, but also in those moments you got to be smart as a coaching staff to you know not not use uh, too many of those reps on a guy that's not going to be available that weekend. So I, I, I think um, in his case, um, you know maybe. Not not necessarily similar, but uh, um, for the lack of a better term, I guess would be similar to some of those guys we talked about earlier in the season that, that just need more practice reps and um, you know cumulative reps. To obviously he has a lot to draw from from his past, but hasn't played in the game in a long time, and so you know for him that's that's week one. And um, so I say that in that I think the sky's the limit for him. Um, it it uh, is great to have him back. Um, he, he certainly had. Uh, some level of impact uh, last weekend, and uh, that guy that uh, we continue to uh, look to to uh, to give us not just quality reps but uh, uh, productive reps. Thank you, Alex. Okay, Jason Kersey, and then Ryan Aber. Alex, I know last year Trey Norwood's injury really uh, bothered you guys, really upset you guys. Um, he was supposed to be a big contributor last year. Seeing him get out there and make two interceptions and, and have such a big impact, what did that mean to you to finally see that? And then uh, also, how much do you see him contributing moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those guys that you know, hadn't started a football game since 2018. And then when you say that, it, it's, uh, um, it, it, you know, a lot has taken place over that time. New coaching staff, you know, and, and you know, obviously a full football season. Uh, and then, oh, by the way, the off season when you're supposed to come back, and I think I may have mentioned this after the game, was, you know, a, a, an off season where your first football snap should have been in spring football. You know, and all of a sudden now it's not until – uh, whatever it was, August, and 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 so there, there was a, a delay. I'll be, be uh, I think that's that's as honest as I can be about it. You know, it, it, there was a delay in terms of you know progress towards um, you know maybe maybe being uh, again not just an adequate football. We're, that's that's not the standard. We're not talking about being an adequate football player. We're talking about a guy that uh, can play at a high level. And so um, and it's not as if he didn't take advantage of that time. He certainly did. But this it's different in doing a workout and and. And running and, and uh, seven on seven without pads on, all of a sudden now now you got to go do it uh, uh, on a game day, and so um, it means a lot to have him back out there. I know it means a lot to him. You know, we've talked about depth over the uh, uh, over the years, and and you know the, and quality depth. 
Um, and so you, you had another guy to your roster, you know, and in, in so many ways, because his confidence level has grown up, his, his practice, uh, you know, tempo has gone up, you know, the quality of, of, uh, of plays, both in practice and then subsequently in games has increased. Um, and so now, now you're talking about, you know, it's like a, it's like a free agent pickup in some ways. You talk about Ronnie Perkins for a completely different reason. Uh, but for Trey Norwood uh, and kind of where we, we, we find ourselves as we go into uh, November, um, it, it's uh, a little bit of the equivalent um, and not having uh, uh, Turner yell last, last weekend, uh, obviously, uh, you know, provided an even more opportunity. And so what uh, was uh, excited that, that he took advantage of it. There's, there's still work to be done uh, across our secondary and, and including with him. Um, but it's another piece. Um, and, and so I was thrilled for him as much as anything, just to have some, some success as, as he uh, kind of has uh, continued this journey back. My neighbor, and then Joe Bettner. Yeah, Lincoln, going back to Ronnie, uh, how do you keep a guy like that engaged when he's going through the, the process he went through? And then what does having him back uh, allow you to do, or, or how much does that allow you to do uh, defensively with your front, uh, you know, whether it's moving, uh, using Isaiah Thomas's versatility or anything like that? Well, you know, I'd start there, and you mentioned it, Isaiah. You know, just just what he has meant to us um, over you know the, the, these first six weeks. Um, as as you know, I can't again continue to keep talking about him every week, um, and so it does. It, it provides you a little bit of flexibility there uh, in terms of uh, having having Ronnie back, um, and then then in terms of you know his engagement, um, that 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 is a battle. I mean, it's you know it's it's it's. For us as a coaching staff, you want to keep him engaged. You want to put reps on it because you want, you know, the minute he's ready, you want to, you want him out there. Um, and but but at the same token, you got you know a, a game that weekend that he's not available for, and so you know a lot of it was on him. Um, you know, Coach Wiley, you know, take him on the side, and from a conditioning level standpoint, because he's not going to have all the same reps in practice. Did some work on the scout team. Obviously, you got the individual reps and and those things, and obviously, Coach Kane did a, a great job with him. But but I still think you know it, it regards how much football that you've played, whether you've played a thousand snaps in your career, two thousand snaps in your career, whatever it is. You know, uh, game one is game one, and, and even if it's at, at the end of October. And so, uh, like I said, I, st- I still think um, you know his his, uh, uh, his best football obviously this year was not played this 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 past Saturday. Although you saw the impact and um, the the benefit for uh, for us is that uh, um, you know we we. We, we managed it as best we could. And so when he was available, the second he was available, you know, you, when, the minute you get that call, he was in the game on Saturday. And, and, and again, Coach Kane had him ready. He was ready. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, the idea now is we progress from there. Appreciate it, Alex. Joe Bettner and then Kerry Murdoch. Alex, you'll play your first home game in six weeks. And I'm curious just – where do you feel like this team has, or your defense in particular, has grown the most? I know you bring back a lot of experience, but, I mean, what is this guy, what are these guys, how have they grown over these past six weeks? Where have they improved the most in your eyes? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we practiced in the stadium a little bit last night, and, and, and you kind of reacquainted yourself uh, to the venue, you know, one of the best places in college football. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I guess it has been six weeks. I didn't know that exact number, but uh, obviously knew it, it, it's been a while. Um, and, and also realize, you know, six weeks ago, we, we didn't 
hold up our end of the bargain in that stadium either, uh, if memory serves me. And so, um, you know, it, it uh, you know, where are we at? I, you know, I, I've said this before, I and mean, it's always a one-week evaluation because that, that's the appropriate thing to do because you can get lost in, um, and, and sometimes as a coaching uh, staff, maybe even more than players, you, you can get, you know, almost lost in your feelings as to, uh, uh, I'll, I'll use this um, kind of, you know, what might have been um, type, type of thoughts, you know, what, what could have been, if, if only this or if only that, you know, what, where, where, where could we find ourselves right now? So that's something you got to really protect against. And one of the ways as a coach you do that is you keep it in the, uh, to the best of your ability, you keep it to a one-week evaluation. You say, where, where were we at when we left the field uh, Saturday night in Lubbock? And that's the team that, that we, we bring uh, back on the field for a Monday practice. And then the, the idea being that whatever you can get done over the, that, that, you know, the, these next you know, five days uh, to, to represent you know, the, the University of Oklahoma on Saturday in that stadium at a high level, what can we get done in the next X number of days uh, in, in, in order to, to produce the results that we want on Saturday? And so you know, where are we at? We're, we're uh, giving up 28 points uh, you know, against you know, Texas Tech and, and, and wish that number was lower. Uh, and can come up with reasons why it should have been, but the facts are the facts. But we're also a group that came off three takeaways um, and, and had some, some uh, you know, very productive snaps. And so we're going to highlight those um, and obviously you know, enhance those things that we did well this past, past Saturday night, which, again, should have been a, a, a cumulative, uh, a, a compounding effect for the week before, uh, which, which is uh, obviously what your aim is as a coaching staff. And then, uh, again, enhance those things we did well and fix the things we did wrong. And, and, and uh, there, there's always something to fix. Um, but uh, you'll like to think that there's, there's more things in, in, the, in the, uh, the positive uh, column that uh, what we're talking about not fixing, but it just, just simply enhancing. Thanks, Alex. Okay, let's go to Kerry Murdoch and then Kayla McCurry. Alex, you, you fought for so long uh, to produce turnovers on your defense. When you see what somebody like Trey Norwood does, do you, I mean, do you have to ask yourself, is, is that just a guy at the right place at the right time, or is this a guy that's just always going to be around the football? Yeah, no, and, and it, it, uh, it, it's amazing, too, how some, some guys you know, kind of have that knack. You know, oftentimes, obviously, whoever ends up with the football, um, you know, get get credit for for the play, and that that's that's sports. But uh, you know, when you when you watch the film, and one of the, the the things that we highlighted to our defensive front is, you know, a lot of times, especially with tip throws uh, that go off a receiver, a lot of times it stems from initial pressure up front. You know, a quarterback, you know, throwing the ball a click sooner than he anticipates, which means the receiver, uh, again, has to react to it a click sooner than, than uh, you know, he may expect it or how, how it repped over the course of a week in practice. Um, and then obviously, you know, included in that is, is making sure you're at where you're supposed to be. Uh, on, on that particular down, it, it's it's funny how the ball has a tendency to to find you in a negative way when you're not where you're supposed to be, uh, and then and, and conversely when uh, you're you're doing the right things, and then making sure that you're playing you know from an effort level standpoint that you can take advantage of those things. You know, I also highlight like Isaiah Thomas's uh, you know fumble recovery. Say, well, it's just a bad snap. Well, it's not just anything. You know, the impact is on the, on the center who's got to snap the football and have to block our defensive front. You know, and you got Perry on Winfrey standing in front of you, and oh, by the way, you're not sure exactly where he's going to go post snap. There's an impact there, and so all, all that stuff um, obviously contributes. And what, but one of the things that uh, has has struck us 
in, in the past, is, is, and, and you're never uh, past that. So when I say the past, I'm not saying it can't happen this weekend, is, is we haven't come down with those, those balls. It's been, oh, oh, oh shoot, how close we were to, to pick one off, and there's one, another one in the game uh, that, that was in our hands that we didn't come down with. I mean, if, if you kept count of the you know, dropped interceptions you know, over, over the last year and a half, uh, you know, God, if only the percentage of those went our, went our direction, you know, the narrative would be a little bit different. So um, that, that, that uh, uh, is exciting to, to, to see that. Um, and, and I would highlight, you know, the 11 guys getting that done um, to be, because so often that's, that's what it takes. Thanks, Alex. Caleb McCurry and then John Hoover. Alex, with today being election day, and I see that you got your I voted sticker on, how how much has this team really looked forward to this day? You know, not just because, of course, it's a day off, but I mean, they've been talking about the importance of it for months. Yeah, no, it it, it uh, you know obviously a unique uh, kind of uh, you know, preparation week for us. Um, you know, practicing on a Monday and all of a sudden taking it to that's that's obviously not not your norm, um, but that's also the the year we've been in. So somehow you know taking a Tuesday off from practice and meetings. Uh, doesn't seem as crazy uh, maybe as it would have uh, 12 months ago. But, uh, no, I, I think, uh, you know, across the board, you're, you're talking about guys that uh, have had a lot thrown at them in the last, you know, uh, what, what's now 11 months. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's given everybody time to uh, reflect on things, uh, to, to uh, form opinions on things, uh, to share thoughts, uh, you know, both both within our building and outside of our building. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's a – um, I don't even know if this is a word, but I, I guess an actionable um, uh, day for, for, for everybody. You know, it, it, it's one thing to, to talk about it. It's another thing to, to do something about it. And uh, whether it's a small thing or a big thing, and um, it, it, it's something that uh, uh, we're, we're all blessed with the, the opportunity to do so. So, you know, no, no pressure on any of the guys to, uh, on, on any side of it in terms of, you know, the pressure to vote. Uh, specifically, or, or certainly on any candidate, and no, no conversation on that because I don't think it's appropriate to do so within this building. But uh, on the same token, uh, they know that, that it's a, it's an opportunity for them, and and, and certainly hope that uh, the majority of guys uh, and believe they would uh, take advantage of it. Thanks, Alex. Okay, let's go to John Hoover and then Brandon Drum. Hey, Alex. Um, Woody Washington got his first career start the other night. Uh, what did you like about his week of practice last week? Um, maybe communicating that with Lincoln. And then how do you feel like he handled things on Saturday night? No, I've been, been uh, continuing to be impressed with Woody. I mean, he, he's a guy we've talked about you know, several times over the course of the year, uh, you know, highlighted by the, the, you know, the interception at Texas. But uh, just from a consistency standpoint, when you watch him in the TCU game, it kind of a lot of it stemmed from, from just that. And one of the things that uh, you know we're working towards as, as a defense uh, across the board is that is that word consistency. And then and what Woody has done uh, it is is backup game film, which is obviously critical in, into a, 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 a practice week uh, that, that suggests a guy that we anticipate playing at a high level on Saturday. And so that that's something, for instance, that. Uh, we anticipate as as time goes on here. When again, when we talk about depth and having more uh, guys available uh, and, and and guys playing at a higher level, that 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 becomes commonplace. Where how you play the previous week and how you prepare that that particular uh, game week 
you know, and, and I mentioned this before, we make a decision as a coaching staff on Thursday in terms of, you know, obviously who starts, you know, number one, and then from a, a rep standpoint, kind of behind that, who's the rotation, who's in the plan is kind of the, 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 the phrase or term that uh, uh, we use. Uh, you know, it, it, there's one thing, okay, you're a two on the depth chart, but we put you in the game. And so, and, and, you know, if you're two on the depth chart, okay, we want to get him a series in the first quarter. We want to get him uh, sometimes, especially in our defensive front, you know, a four-play to two-play rotation or, or, or an even rotation. Three plays, you know, every three plays, these guys are rolling. So we do all those things, and it's, it's, it's not done once. It's done every, every week. And the idea being is that you have to perform at a high level over the course of the week of preparation to earn those uh, the reps on game day. And so uh, I think that's, that's indicative of it. Um, and, and like I said, I think it's something that uh, – uh, as time goes on, and we're going to see it in a number of different positions, which the message is if you were a starter the week before, play at a high level, and you can be a starter again uh, and, and get your job back. Uh, and, and conversely, if, if you're, you're a two that's a rotational guy, please, please, please don't be satisfied with just getting some reps on the Saturday. You know, it, it should be a big deal to be on the number one defense at, at, at Oklahoma uh, and, and something that you've got to fight for each and every week. And that's competition. It's healthy competition, and it's something that uh, we're, we're trying to uh, create. Thanks, Alex. Brandon Drum and then James Hale. Alex, uh, how close do you think you are as getting to where you, you want this defense to be? And how much of that is contingent on the growth of the Perry and Winfrey's of the world, the Joshua Ellison's, the, the continued growth of Isaiah Thomas? Those guys seem to be stepping up bigger and bigger each and every week for you guys, adding pressure. Has that helped you kind of see maybe there's even uh, further you guys can grow as a defense than maybe you even thought? Yeah, no, I you know you highlight the front and that that's something that this 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 package um, you know so, so much of what we try to do is is designed for our front. You know we've talked about playing in the gaps as opposed to playing in the men. Well, that's that's that that's a, a, a good um, I, you know that, that's a fine theory. Uh, we don't build a wall in our front. We we're going to penetrate gaps. Well. It's obviously critical that that you don't you don't just do that uh, to to have a philosophy. It's that the philosophy is if you do that, then you can get production from your front, um, which then creates negative plays, which which you know creates you know situations from an offense even when you don't get negative plays, but you know specific to the negative plays, they're behind the sticks. Okay, what impact does that have? You know, second and ten, a second and twelve versus a a second and six. You know, it's astronomical. It's it's a one two count versus a two one count in baseball. You know, all, all those uh, you know. Uh, uh, analytics that, that you can go into, and so that that's that's the philosophy, and and the the roots of what we do go back to uh, when and, and and Dave Steckel was a defensive coordinator at Missouri, and we had two SEC defensive players of the year in our defensive front, and then and and then we t- we took the package of the philosophy and the package out to the Pac-12, had the defensive player of the year in the Pac-12 in our front, um, and and so what what we we challenge our guys is is don't don't number one don't be a magnet. Don't, don't you dare create your own philosophy in the front and be okay running into offensive linemen. That's not what we do. And then the second thing is if we're going to put you in a gap, we're not putting you in a gap just to occupy one. It, it's to be, be uh, productive in the backfield. And so for us to have success, we, we have to see uh, that, that disruption in the front and the production in the front because it's designed to, to get those things. That's not a, a, a plus on the grade sheet uh, defensively if, if that week we have some TFLs. That, 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 it's designed that way. And so when you have nine TFLs last week, and now the minute you know we look at that, we think we should, have, you know, four or five more. You know, you see a couple sacks. You're saying, oh man, if we could have just gotten the guy on the ground when he when he you know got rid of it uh, late before uh, 
uh, you know, ultimately get him on the ground. That 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 number should have gone up in those things. But uh, no, that that group is critical to uh, what what we want to be, uh, and and their continued production and continued development is uh, a big deal to us. But it's across the board. It's eleven guys, obviously. That, that that's got to get better. Where where are we at? You know, um, again, it, it's appropriate right now to. Uh, you know what? What we produced on on film this past weekend was was a little bit too up and down as I evaluated. You know, you know, guys. Kind of, you know, I didn't think again that we finished appropriately. If you get reps in that game, you're expected to 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 play at uh, at a high level, even if you're a young guy late in the game. And you know, th- those numbers count. You know, uh, uh, certainly sometimes I wish they didn't. But uh, regardless of what the scoreboard, we didn't score touchdowns, so we don't get credit for the whatever the number was on, on the other side of the board. We, we, we get credit uh, when we make plays and, and ultimately keep numbers off the, the board. So, uh, no, it's, it's obviously still a work in progress, but, but also you know, we had a conversation with the defense staff today. It's November now. It's tryouts are over. It, it's, it's, uh, we we got to put uh, the, the, the right guys on the field and obviously work to put the right product on the field, and we all had to feel a sense of urgency uh, in order to get that done. Thanks, Alex. Okay, last two questions, James Hale and then Keegan Renell. You know, Alex, uh, you know, Kansas doesn't come in with a lot of success. You guys are getting better every week. Talk about the, you know, the what coaches have to do to make sure your team continues to drive to get better against an opponent that on paper it looks like that you really overmatch and there's not going to be a lot of talk about this game coming into the game. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of things that, that, that kind of get – you know, brushed aside as coach speak. It's re- the reason it's coach speak is because it's it's accurate. You know, it, they're, they're, it, and and so often, you know, we all we all look for the okay, but if not this, then what's plan? You know, if plan A is not worried about us, there must be a a, a good plan B that doesn't just account for your opponent that week. And that that's what you're you're playing the team coming out in with an undefeated record or a team coming in that's uh, uh, obviously struggled. It's it's, a, it's your your. Uh, one opponent that week, you know, it, it's, you know, obviously, you know, what we see on film, uh, and I will say this, you know, being at an Oklahoma is different than, than most. Uh, what we see, on, we will not see that level uh, in the stadium on Saturday from our opponent. We, we see everyone's best. Um, which, which is always a challenge. And, and so whatever struggles they may have had against a, a certain opponent, uh, believe me, we will see it at, at uh, a much higher level against us. But ultimately, again, going back to the coach speak, you know, we, we got to get better uh, in, in every single phase. And that, that's, that's when you talk about process and all those things, you either believe in it or you don't. And one of the main things for us when we talk about process is, you know, be, be more, and it's been a focus for us, is, is being more, uh, you know, taking more ownership uh, each individual guy on their individual process. You know, sometimes process gets lost in this, like this, this if we just say process, that, that you know, the, the walls are going to uh, somehow bleed out some, some, some magical dust that's going to, uh, you know, ultimately, I'm not worried about the outcome, I'm worried about the process. Okay, what is your process? What does that mean? You know, how, how did you attack every single rep uh, of practice? Um, and, and, and have been showing these guys a lot lately, you know, Ray Allen shooting in the gym by himself. You know, the point being, he's, you know, shoots, you know, whatever number of shots every single day and had a video of him making, you know, I think 18 straight three-pointers in practice by himself. And the point being is, you know, he, he's making 18 shots in a row to just go shoot 45% in a game. You know, but what, what does that the perfectionism in, in, in day-in, day-out practice just so you can execute at a, at, at a in, in that particular case, you know, um, a, a, a – 
above average level for an NBA basketball player. You know, and again, I, 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 to, to equate that or even share that, I guess uh, it doesn't uh, maybe answer the question, but it, but it gives you an idea. Again, we have, have to have a perfectionist mindset in practice and a performance mindset in games. Um, and so that's how we attack the, the week of preparation. That's something that we need to get better at. Again, each individual guy taking more ownership in that process, uh, not, not hoping that uh, the process kind of engulfs them. Thanks, Alex. Hey, Keegan. Alex, obviously you guys moved Isaiah Thomas back inside for one game. I don't know, obviously, if that was for the entire game, but it seemed like just his versatility, just how much more difficult does it make for offenses to have to prepare for you guys? I mean, you can throw him inside, throw him outside. Um, when Ron Stokes get back, and obviously you guys did all sorts of different things last Saturday with him at defensive tackle. Yeah, no, it, uh, you know, one of the things that you're, you're constantly trying to do is, is not just get the right 11 guys, put the right 11 guys in the right spots. And again, using the basketball example, you know, if the point guard can be good at shooting guard or move the shooting guard to point guard and all of a sudden, you know, you, you can uh, you in, increase your productivity, you know, that's one of the things that, that, that you got to look to do. Um, uh, but, you know, probably the biggest thing with Isaiah is you tell him to go play a position. He just, he, again, all he does is go do it uh, at an elite level to the best of his ability uh, and, and does it uh, with elite effort. You know, and, he, and the, the fun part for us as coaches is because, you, you know, so often you spend this time, you know, trying to convince guys if you just would you do your job, you would just do it, you know, with, with extreme effort and do it to some level of physicality that you would have success. Um, and then, you know, again, it's, it's fun as a coach to – now you got the example. Here's the poster child for it. Um, just, just where do you want me to play today, coach? In this scheme, in this package, where do you want me? You know, Tuesdays I'm practicing at end. Wednesdays I'm practicing on the interior. Where do you want me? Uh, all, again, all I'm going to do is is, is uh, do the best job I can for Oklahoma football. And so, um, no, that that obviously increases the pool of guys that we have in the front. It's been fun to rotate those guys. I still don't think across the board we've seen the best of all the – I mean, I'm excited about the Josh Ellison. What's he going to turn in? Or Corey Roberson, what's he going to turn in? Marcus Stripling. I mean, you see a play here, a play there, and I think all those guys' consistent level of play will continue to increase. Um, but until that day, it's, it's nice that, okay, this guy's going to play 30 snaps. Okay, just give us the best 30 snaps uh, you know, that, that, that uh, you're capable of. And so uh, all, all those things uh, you know, tie into to have more pro productivity in our front. And uh, uh, you know, to, to previous questions, that, that's, that's, that's our aim. You, you made the comment that if you guys keep playing the way you did, you know, we'd start calling them pretty good. Would, you, would that be your set assessment of the way your defense is playing right now? Or is that even too high or too low? Yeah, I, I, you know, it. it uh, I think when you're in the middle of it, all, all you can think about is is you know the the points you do give up. I mean, like, that's just your tendency as a coach and all those stuff. And and so you kind of you know try to try to hold those evaluations from from in this, in this particular case, we're talking about a ten game season. Um, and and ultimately, you are what you were the, the week prior to. You know, um, and and one of the things, and I and I, and I'll, I'll I'll shrink that even more to to some of the games we've had. This you you know what you are at the end of the third quarter does not mean that's who you are as a defense. You know, and so I mean that so. Again, coach speak, you know, one week at the time type stuff. Well, the, the facts are the facts. You know, what you are at the end of three quarters is not what you are. As a, you know, believe me, talk about what it should have, could and all that stuff. I mean, that, that's, 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 that's proof of it. And so, um, uh, again, the, we, we, we know the bar has to be higher. We, we know that. Um, and so that, that's what we're striving to. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen.
The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network.